dimension. The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> Cavalcade of America, starring Lee Bowman. Tonight, the DuPont Company brings you Mission to Cuba, starring Lee Bowman on the Cavalcade of America. Mission to Cuba, starring Lee Bowman as Lieutenant Rowan on the Cavalcade of America. Hey, Anna. In you go. Oh, wait a minute. In you go. Wait. Wait a minute, guard. What now? I'd, I'd like a pen and paper. Pen and paper? Why? I, I want to write a letter to my wife. I want to tell her where I am. <laughs> you want to tell your wife you're in jail? Please. May I have the pen and paper? My wife doesn't know if I'm dead or alive. I've got to write to her. Hey. Well, all right. You're not a bad one, is that? I'll bring them. And, and hurry. Please, Hurry. year, 1898, Lieutenant Andrew Rowan, United States Army, finds himself in a damp prison cell on the island of New Providence in the West Indies. Paper and pen are brought to him, and he begins to write his letter. My darling, what did you think when I left you five weeks ago and without a word? breakfast and to the office. When you kissed me goodbye, you said, bring home chops for dinner. But I never came home, nor sent a reason. I couldn't. I'm in prison, alone in a squat, square cell. It's hot, and it's wet. The only sound is that of dirty water dripping from the ceilings. The dampness breeds snails, the large storybook kind with three-inch horns. Twenty-nine of them keep slowly busy climbing the damp walls. They climb, and I write to you, Kay. And that way we all keep our sanity. I, I know I'm rambling, but it's so hard to know where to start. Perhaps I'd better begin that spring morning when I left home. And you... Remember that day? 
Spring was too full for April that morning in Washington. The White House gardens too bright. I, I had that peculiar feeling that comes to us all, that something was about to happen. When I reached the office, there was a buzz in the hallways. Major Wagner had been in conference all night. He and the president and the secretary of war. I walked down the corridor to my door, stood there reading my name on the glass. Lieutenant Rowan, military intelligence. I had my hand on the doorknob, was ready to open the door when the chief's orderly came up to me. Lieutenant Rowan, Major Wagner wants you in his office immediately. Come in, Lieutenant Rowan. Morning, Major. Captain Richards. Lieutenant. Captain Donald Toledano. Good morning. Gentlemen, now that you're all here, we'll get right down to business. I want one of you for a mission, but which one, I don't know. So I'll state the mission, you ask questions, then I'll decide. Good enough? Certainly, yes, sir. All right. You know the rumors that we are about to declare war on Spain. If there should be war, we must know certain things about Cuba. Here's a map. The Spanish army controls the cities and the highways. But somewhere in the mountains, in the jungles, are Cuban insurrectionists. We must know their numbers and disposition, the caliber of their officers and supplies they need. Then we've got to know the condition and morale of the Spanish troops. We must learn that from the Cubans, sir. That's right, Toledano. And there are other points of information. Roads and topography of Cuba. Sanitation. Problems of tropical disease. And perhaps most important, can the Cuban rebels hold out? Harass the enemy until the United States forces arrive. Uh, excuse me, sir, but... Well, that's a job for an entire intelligence corps. It's a job for one man, Captain Richards. One of you three. And I'll tell you why each of you is here. You, Captain, spent three years in Cuba. Soledano, you know Spaniards and Spanish. And Lieutenant Rowan, you wrote a book called The Island of Cuba. Well, that book, sir, was the uh, result of a humble union between research and imagination. I've never been near Cuba. (laughs) (laughs) And you might say you're here for research and imagination. Now your questions. Captain Richards. Uh, well, sir, uh, how does one get to Cuba? A little too far to swim, isn't it? I mean, sir, the Spanish Navy controls the coast and the Army controls the roads. What arrangements have been made to meet the Cubans? None. Well, uh, just where is this Cuban Army? No one knows. Perhaps in the jungle. Look at the map, sir. Cuba is small, yes, but the jungle, even a tiny piece of it, is huge. If a man makes five miles a day in it, he's a titan. I know, sir. I've been there. And you don't intend to go back? Well, I... I'll go where I'm ordered, sir, but even if we knew where the rebels were, it would still be practically impossible to reach them in the jungle. But to send a man in there blindly, well, excuse me, sir, I I think we should distinguish between a mission and a wild goose chase. I speak from experience of the country, sir. I'm sure of it. Captain Toledano. Uh, One question. Are the instructions to be written or oral? Oral. And if the man should be captured with no written instructions... How could he identify himself to the Cubans? That would be up to him. I see, sir. It is a wild goose chase. Major Wagner, uh, may we think it over for, say, two days? The train for New York leaves in two hours, Captain Richards. And the boat out of New York tonight for Jamaica. Whoever goes will be on that boat. Without a word to anyone, even his family. Rowan, you've asked no questions. I have none, sir. No qualms, no reservations... No hedging for help? Very well. Captain Richards, Captain Toledano, 
I should like to speak to Lieutenant Owen. Yes, sir. Very good, sir. Owen, you're very young, aren't you? No, sir. I'm 40. What's your wife's name? Kay. We were married recently. You married late? Took me a long time to find her. I... I hope it won't take you as long to get back to her because... You're going, Rowan. Yes, sir. Here's money. Reservation on the ship, Adirondack, Atlas Line. We believe there are Cuban patriots in Jamaica. Find them. This card will identify you to them. Once you've identified yourself, destroy your identification. Yes, sir. Rowan, this is the dirtiest assignment I've ever handed out. I'll try to get there, sir. Lieutenant, if you're discovered in Jamaica, you'll be arrested. Compromising a neutral power, Great Britain. There'd be nothing on earth we could do for you. As far as we're concerned, you'd be a stranger. Understand? I think I do, Major. You're on your own. Strictly on your own. And let me give you a word of advice. I've done a lot of mountain climbing. And experience has taught me most accidents happen not on the way up, but on the way back. So, Ron, get there and then get back. The Adirondack was a good ship. We skirted Cuba, then south to the southern shore of Jamaica, docking at Kingston. Somewhere here were Cuban patriots whom I was to find. How? I didn't know. I was dressed now as an English hunter, went to the Hotel Europa, registered after lunch, I sat on the terrace. A waiter brought the local English paper. There was a headline. It read, United States gives Spain until April 23rd to surrender Cuba to the Cubans. I looked around. There were three men at a nearby table. Somber men, dark-eyed. They read the headline also. And they did something. They shook hands silently. But that simple act made me take my first gamble. I got up, walked across to the men. They looked up, suspicious. The largest man spoke. Si, senor. There, there is something you wish. Uh, may I sit down? Uh, if you wish. Thank you. You, uh, you seem to be pleased with the headline. Not pleased, senor. Interested. Oh, um, I, uh, I'm looking for a guide, a good one. I think the hotel furnishes the tourists with everything. Uh, excuse me, senor. Oh, wait. I want to go hunting. Oh, yes, senor. There is good hunting in Jamaica. See? They, uh, they say it's better in Cuba. Cuba? Yes. In the jungle. I... I do not know... Well, uh, I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm hunting for something different. So? Mm-hmm. And I hear there are many others who hunt what I'm looking for in the jungles. I do not know. Now, please to excuse us, senor. Oh, no, uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't go. I'm from the United States. I would like to find the Cuban rebels. And so would the others who hunt. Now, excuse us, senor.
Was I wrong? Had I given myself away to clever agents of Spain who would turn me over to the British authorities? Well, I didn't know. Then, 20 minutes later... You are the senor who hunts? Yes. Please to come with me. Come with you? Where? If you would hunt, come with me. All right. We left the terrace and walked to a waiting carriage. We drove swiftly through Kingston, raced along the Spanish town road. Once, we changed horses, then we went on into the night, into the tropical forest. Fireflies shot by like stars. I felt an extreme exhilaration as we rode. All the boyhood notions of daring secret agents lifted my mind to a soaring pitch. I didn't know then what a fool I was. Then, the carriage stopped. For a moment, we stood silently. Not a sound. Just the blackness of the forest. And the blanket of silence. Then... That is Signore. You meet him. Come, Signore. There'll be a lamb by my accent, room. You're English? Yes. A bit of something tossed up by the Empire years ago. Wandering ever since. Fighting for a fee. Soldier of fortune, eh? No, soldier, yes. Fortune, no. But there's a British patrol quite near. Oh? How near? I'm hard telling right now. Perhaps a mile, perhaps closer. Well, then I'd better get out of here. Yes. Uh, will you will you tell me where I am and uh, where I'm to go? Well, you're at the first... At the end of your first lap, Rome. You cross the island, you're about half a mile from the northern shore, St. Anne's Bay. There's a sailboat waiting for you. Bad boat, good skipper, though. I'm to go to Cuba by that boat. Yes, you've a hundred miles north to Cuba. That's your second lap. If you make that, then there's the jungle. Well, just uh, just where in the jungle are the rebels? Do you know? We don't know. They keep moving. Chances are they're way in or they've been wiped out. Signore, that means the patrol. Oh, closer than I thought. I'm sorry, Rome. No time to eat now. You'd better be off. Cane field just to the north and cut through to the coconut grove. Then the bay. <laughs> sorry, we'll have to scatter. Keep up to the North Star, Rowan. You can't go wrong. Good luck. Thanks. Oh, I say, I forgot. The uh, boat can't come in, so you know. You'll uh, have to swim for it. Can you swim? Yes. Good. Water's lovely this time of year. Warm, clear. Almost no sharks. Listening to Mission to Cuba, starring Lee Bowman as Lieutenant Andrew Rowan on the Cavalcade of America. Sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. Commissioned to find the Cuban insurrectionists somewhere in the jungles of Cuba, Lieutenant Rowan crosses Jamaica. From Jamaica, a boat is to take him to the Cuban shore. But first, he must get to the boat, swim to it through shark-infested waters. As the second part of our story opens, Rowan is continuing his letter to his wife, written from a prison cell. I swam on my back, one hand trying to keep a bundle of clothes and my revolver dry. The water was warm, and the stars were winking me on. I reached the boat and was taken aboard. Skipper and winds were jovial. The hundred miles to Cuba sailed singing by. The sea was heavy, the sky was clear. But ahead, there was something else. The jungle. 
That jungle waited, monstrous in shadow, for what the sea might throw up. But I had no time to think about it. A Spanish patrol boat sighted us. I had to take the small boat and row to shore. I reached the jungle and waited until it was light before I started into it. Light? The sun can't be seen in the jungle, but it's always there, fiendishly steaming the green-lidded cauldron. There were a million kinds of insects, all voracious and venomous. They swarmed after me as though I were the Pied Piper of Hamelin, and through my torn clothing had their fill. There were snakes in the trees, and fantastic, hysterical birds. Jungle hours make a jungle day, but the jungle nights are eternity. Black, silent, watching and waiting. The days grew in heat. I was swollen, raw and festered. I was a hunk of hashed-up animal crawling for life. Then my mind went softly off somewhere where it was cooler. I don't remember more. Not until I awoke and saw five dark faces looking down at me. Who, who, who are you? Gee whiz, you talk English, senor. Who, who are you? Oh, see, gee whiz, you American, see? American. You know where General Garcia is? Maybe yes, maybe no. Why you ask me that, senor? Who are you? Lieutenant Andrew Rowan, United States Army. So? Gee whiz, I've been in your country, Boston. Please, please, we're, we're wasting time. General Garcia, take me to him. Uh, we see, senor. Gee whiz, maybe you see your Rowan, maybe you're not. Anyway, we go to Bayama. Then we see for sure, eh? Five days later, I stood in the square at Bayamo. It had just been taken by the Cuban insurrectionists. Across the square sat the general and his officers, all in neat white uniforms. The scout who'd spoken to me in the jungle spoke to an officer. The officer spoke to the general. Then the scout came running back to me. Gee, please. Gee, please, you must wait, senor. Wait? What for? General Garcia say maybe you're not the man. Look. Look, I'm Lieutenant Rowan, United States Army. Senor, you must be careful. Gee whiz, you bet. There are men who say they are what they are not. But I, I tell you, I've got to see General Garcia now. I, I can't wait, not even a minute. You must, senor. Get out of my way. Senor. Let go of me. Senor, come back. You run to General, they shoot you. Senor. General Garcia. Senor. I have a message for you, a message for General Garcia. Alto. General. General. Un momento, un momento. Senor. You were pleased to come here. You might have been shot that way, senor. I, I had to see you, General Garcia. See? Many men say that. Many men do not see me. Oh, please. I, I'm Lieutenant Rowan, United States Army. How do we know you are the senor Rowan? Well, I, I have no identification. I, I had to destroy it once I contacted your men in Jamaica. Uh, that is a very easy story to, to think of. Well, look at me. Can't you see? I've come hundreds of miles... 
I know. I think maybe a spy would not have run across the square. Maybe a spy would have waited to keep from being shot by my men. Yes, I think you are, Lieutenant Rowan. Thank God. Now, now, sir, there's, there's very little time. We've got to talk. But, uh, but the important thing, uh, General Garcia, is that uh, following a declaration of war on Spain, my country will prepare to assist you by carrying the war to Cuba. For this, we thank you, Lieutenant Rowan. But to tell you all the information you want would take time. So I will send three of my men back with you. They know what your country wants to know. Oh, good, good. That's, that's fine. Well, who are they? General Col- Collazo, Colonel Hernandez, and El Dr. Vieta, who studies tropical disease. Good. Now, uh, when can we leave? But, Senor Rowan, it has been only two hours since you arrived. I, I know, sir, but, uh, but it's got to be this way. See, si, see. Si. First, we give you food and drink. Then, a strong horse. You think maybe you can sleep on the horse? <laughs> General... I could sleep anywhere. Lieutenant Rowan, it is a great thing that you come. It is greater that you go back. Now we make the toast to Los Estados Unidos, your country. It is that I hope she has always men like you. And may it be that she always defeat tyranny and help people to freedom everywhere. I thought then, Kay, that my mission was accomplished, that the way back would be easier. But there were 150 miles in a tiny tub with gunny sack sails. Then a storm, bailing all night to keep us afloat. And then, the wreck. We were picked up by a sponging schooner and turned over to the British authorities. And now, this cell in a British prison. I hear the guard coming. He's whistling. He's always whistling. I shall give him this letter to mail to you, darling. Then you'll know what has happened. Well, finish your letter, Commodore. Yes, I have. Will you uh, mail it for me? Well, I don't know. But first, here's your soup. Now, stand back from the door while I bring it to him. Yeah, fine, tasty soup. Thanks. I wish you'd do something about the dampness in here. Oh, do you now? Before the month is out, we're calling this Holiday Island. Look at those snails. The dampness in here breeds them. Hey, big, ain't they? Yes. Be quiet. Be quiet, I don't want to hurt you. Is it, Commodore? Is it? You're, you're strangling me? All right, then listen to me. I want the key to my friend's cell. And the key that lets us out of here. Big brass one. Your friend cell, long one, is back to the cellar. Good, good. Now, I hate to do this, but you've got to be kept quiet for a while. That may give you a headache. But now, I'll be able to deliver this letter to my wife, myself. Making out your report, Lieutenant? Yes, sir. It's very good to have you back, Rowan. Thank you, Major Wagner. The way back was hard, wasn't it? Yes, sir. 
I'd like to read you a little something I'm sending to General Miles for his recommendation to the Secretary of War. In carrying the message to General Garcia and in returning to Washington, First Lieutenant Andrew S. Rowan of the 19th Infantry has, in my judgment, performed an act of heroism rarely excelled in the annals of warfare. He accepted an extremely difficult assignment without qualm or question. To his own dogged and daring ingenuity, he fulfilled it. I recommend that Lieutenant Rowan be advanced to the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. Oh, that's, that's very good of you, sir. And now you're going over to meet the President. Well, I, uh, I hope it won't take too long, Major. What's the matter? Well, my wife's waiting for me, and I have to bring home chops for dinner. week, the DuPont Cavalcade of America stars Ida Lupino as Fanny Farmer in Kitchen Scientist. Today, many a good cook owes her success to Fanny Farmer's recipes, but few people know the inspiring story of Fanny Farmer's courage and resourcefulness. Next week, don't miss Ida Lupino in Kitchen Scientist on the DuPont Cavalcade of America. No matter what you're saving for, a new home, travel, or a good education for your children, there is no safer investment than U.S. savings bonds. You get $4 for every three you invest, and you can save easily and automatically at the place where you work or where you bank. Protect your future with United States savings bonds. The music for the DuPont Cavalcade is composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. Tonight's Cavalcade was written by Halstead Wells. Lee Bowman appears through the courtesy of Columbia Pictures, producers of the Technicolor picture Down to Earth, starring Rita Hayworth. Supporting Mr. Bowman tonight were Herbert Butterfield as Major Wagner, Nestor Paiva as General Garcia. This is Frank Bingman inviting you to listen next week to Kitchen Scientist, starring Ida Lupino on the Cavalcade of America. Brought to you by the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware. The DuPont Cavalcade of America came to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Brock's, B-R-A-C-H-S, Brock's Chocolate Mint Candy Bar presents The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. (laughs) 
Today, while Superman is still in Paris, Beanie Martin, copy boy for the Metropolis Daily Planet, receives an exciting phone call from cub reporter Jimmy Olsen. Gosh, Beanie, I gotta talk to Mr. Kent or Miss Lane. I just gotta. But they're not here, Jim. Mr. Kent and Miss Lane are in Paris. Yes, well, the... then, get hold of Mr. White. Tell him to call me at once. Got that? Uh-huh. Immediately. Tell him it's a matter of life or death. <laughs> You know, fellows and girls, you're lucky if you happen to have a Brock's Chocolate Mint Candy Bar in the house to enjoy after supper tonight. Because there just isn't a better tasting candy bar after supper or any other time than that world-famous Brock's Chocolate Mint Candy Bar. Yes, I said famous, because hundreds of thousands of people already know that Brock's Chocolate Mint Candy Bar is the finest mint candy money can buy. And more are learning about it every day. Just one big bite of Brock's Chocolate Mint Candy Bar, one delicious bite of that creamy snow-white mint candy, all wrapped up in a double-thick chocolate coating, and you'll be saying, Oh, boy, where has this been all my life? It's wonderful. And get this, Brock's Chocolate Mint Candy Bar is actually two candy bars in one. Two big pieces of that wonderful chocolate-covered mint, a double treat, so good to eat. So be sure you ask for Brock's Chocolate Mint Candy Bar in the famous green wrapper. That's Brock's. Spelled B-R-A-C-H-S. Later on in the show, we're going to tell you about the big special offer the Brock Candy people are going to make to all Superman listeners very soon. It's really a double offer, because you'll not only get the exciting new Superman Radio Quizmaster game, but also you'll get the official entry blank you'll need to enter Brock's big Superman treasure chest contest with hundreds of valuable prizes. So be sure to keep listening. The Adventures of Superman. When Superman rescued Lois Lane and broke up the French spy ring, he rejoined the girl reporter in Paris. And in his guise, a reporter Clark Kent told Lois he had a premonition that something was wrong back home in Metropolis. And Kent, as we learned, was right. Because at that moment at the Daily Planet in Metropolis, copy boy Beanie Martin received a long-distance phone call from cub reporter Jimmy Olsen, who was on his vacation. Learning that both Kent and Lois Lane were in Paris... Jimmy told Beanie to contact Perry White, editor of the Planet and mayor of the city, and added... Have Mr. White call me right away, Beanie. Immediately. Tell him it's a matter of life or death. Although it was after hours, Beanie managed to contact White, who was presiding over an emergency session of the city council. Alarmed, the gray-haired editor rushed to the Daily Planet, where, as we learn now, new complications have developed. Listen. What's the rest of the phone number, Beanie? Well, that's it, Mr. White. 178J, see? Hurry up and I see, I see. 178J. All right, but what's the exchange? The what? The exchange, you ninny. What's the exchange? Uh, Oh, 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 the exchange. Yes, the exchange. Or the name of the town that Jim was calling from. uh, Town someplace. Not not, where. Where? He must have told you. Yeah, come think of it, he Well, 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 what is it? What is it? Gosh, I don't remember. Great Caesar's ghost. Jim says he's in trouble. It's a matter of life or death. Ah! You can't remember where he is. Oh, gosh, Chief, I... Well, when he said about it being a matter of life or death, I got excited and forgot. Of all the, 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 the numbskulls. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Now, but... now, my boy. Now, 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 look. Settle down and, and try to remember. Jim's life may be at stake. Wait, I think I got it. Oh, thank heaven. Jim said something about Jersey. Jersey City? Uh-uh. Uh, New Jersey? No. Well, what in the name of... Oh, no, that's not it. What? 
Jim just said Jersey to make it clear it was J at the end of the number instead of K like I got it at first. No, then he wasn't in Jersey. I guess not. Oh, my dear Saint Adan Tilly, what'll I do with this blockhead? Wait a minute. Uh, Jim sent me a postal card the other day. Uh, help me find it, Beanie. There, there may be a postmark. Well, that there. won't help us, Mr. White. I Never think... mind what you think. Just help me look. But Jim sent me a card just like yours from Chicago when he said he was leaving Chicago that day. Oh, oh yes, yes, that's right. But but he may have written where he was going from Chicago. No, he didn't. He just said he was moving on west, remember? Oh, oh yes, yes. But uh, he didn't say where, did he? Uh-uh. He just said he was using some of that money he inherited and he was going to take his time stopping off wherever he felt like okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. Be quiet a minute. Be quiet. I've got to think. Ah, uh, of course. Uh, just a minute. Miss Backrack. Miss Backrack. Oh, where in thunder is that secretary of mine? She went home long ago. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, well, come on with me. Where? We're going to Jim's house. His mother ought to know where he is. Why don't you call her up? I don't want to frighten her, that's why. This way, we can say we were in the neighborhood and drop by. Now, come on. I guess Mrs. Olson isn't home, Minnie. Gosh, what do we do now, Mr. Well, Boyd? we've got to find her. Come on, we'll check with the neighbors. Ah, good evening, Sonny. We're looking for your next-door neighbor, Mrs. Olson. Do you know... You mean uh... Jim Olson's mother? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, do you she's know she's out of town. Huh? What? She left today. Her sister's sick or something. He, I see. And uh, where does her sister live? Do you know? No, sir. I don't know. Oh. Is it Billy? There's a man here, Mom, who wants to know where Jim Olson's mother went. Oh, and tell him she went to Maine. Maine? Yeah. Uh, do, do, you, do you know where in Maine, madam? Why, no, I'm sorry. Mrs. Olson didn't say. I see. Well, thank you. Uh, good night. Good night. Uh, come on, Beanie. Gee whiz, what do we do now, Mr. White? If you don't stop saying that, Beanie, I... Well, I won't be responsible for what I do. But Jeepers, Jim said he was in serious trouble. I know what he said. And if you had even a squizzle of brains in that lump on your shoulders, we'd be able to find him. Yeah. I guess I'm pretty dumb, all right. Come on, get in the car. Oh, where are we going now? Back to the office. Maybe Jim will realize he was talking to a nincompoop and phone again. And while we were gone, huh? No. Oh, gosh, why don't we... Are do? you going to ask me again what we're going to do? Well, gee whiz, Chief. I mean, Mr. White. Be quiet, be quiet. Okay. But look, how about trying to phone Mr. Kent in Paris? Well, what for? It'll take him at least 36 hours to get back here, and what could he do anyway? Well, I don't know, but you just said... Never that... mind what I said. We'll just have to wait here and hope Jim calls again. Oh, why does everything happen to me when I'm alone? Why? Why? <laughs> my room key, please. Oui, Mme Wasn't it a lovely party Monsieur Carey and Colonel Charlotte gave for us, Clark? What? Huh? Oh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, you're sure. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm sleepy. I'll see you in the morning, Clark. Uh, I may not be here in the morning, Lois. Not uh, be here? What do you mean? I'm thinking of hopping back to Metropolis. But we're not booked to leave until tomorrow. Uh, I, I know, but I, I may leave earlier. I can't shake off the feeling that something's wrong oh, back now, home. Oh, right. No, it sounds silly, Why, but I can't... Why, it's If anything were wrong, we'd be notified. No, not necessarily. Chief or Jim or anybody would figure we couldn't be back before a day and a half. Well, we couldn't, but... Well, I can. How? Huh? Well, uh, You'd have to fly from here to listen to pick up the clipper, and then even if you could get immediate reservations... No, no, I, I'd fly a different way. Huh? 
What are you talking about? Well, skip it. Good night. Now, wait a minute, Clark. Where are you going? The Metropolis. But our reservations are for tomorrow night. I know. And the French newspaper club is giving luncheon for us tomorrow. Apologize for me. Clark, you come back. Hurrying out of the Paris Hotel, Clark Kent steps into a dark areaway and quickly strips off his business suit, revealing the blue costume and brilliant red cape of Superman. Then... Now to Metropolis. Up, up, and away! Leaping high into the starry sky, the Man of Steel rockets westward, across the English Channel, across England, and then out over the broad Atlantic, bound for Metropolis. We'll be back in a moment for the tense climax of today's episode. So keep listening. Say, fellows and girls, how would you like to win a brand new bicycle or a radio or a pair of real western cowboy boots or roller skates, a swell football, a radio set of your own, or a wristwatch? Well, those are just some of the hundreds of prizes that will soon be offered in Brock's Big Superman Treasure Chest Contest. And you can win one of them easily. The first thing you do when the time comes is to send in for the exciting new Superman Radio Quizmaster game. We'll tell you in just a few days how to get one and say... What a pile of fun you and the gang will have when you're the master of ceremonies on your own radio quiz show with questions to ask, with funny stunts for the people in your audience to do, and with a realistic model microphone you can set up right in the table. Yes, that Superman Radio Quizmaster game, first of its kind ever offered, is a swell thing to have. But listen, here's the biggest news of all. When you send in for your Superman Radio Quizmaster game, and we'll tell you how in just a few days, you'll also get the official entry blank you'll need to enter Brock's Big Superman Treasure Chest Contest with the hundreds of valuable prizes we told you about a minute ago. But remember, don't send in now. Wait until we tell you how to get in on them in just a few days. So keep listening and be sure you don't miss this important announcement. Meanwhile, try Brock's Chocolate Mint Candy Bar. You've never tasted anything so good. Back to the adventures of Superman. In the small, neatly painted farmhouse in the Ozark region of Missouri, Jimmy Olsen, the freckle-faced cub reporter for the Metropolis Daily Planet, is anxiously pacing the floor. Seated tensely in a chair is Jimmy's cousin, Bert Andrews, a lean, toe-headed boy of 16 wearing overalls. I can't understand why Mr. White hasn't called yet, Bert. I told Beanie Martin to have him call me right away. That don't mean nothing, Jim, because even if he does call, he can't help us now. Oh, yes, he can. Mr. White is editor of the Daily Planet, and he's the mayor of Metropolis. So what? Metropolis is a long ways from here. All right, but Mr. White will know what to do, though. Gosh, if only he'd call. Oh, I, I tell you, it won't make no difference, Jim. Why do you keep saying that, Bert? Because, well, I already got the sign, and chances are it'll happen tonight. Maybe any minute. Oh, now, look, could... Couldn't you be wrong about the sign, I mean? Nope. It's the same sign, just like the others got. And you know what happened to them. Yes, but... Look, I'm going to call the Daily Planet again. Maybe Beanie didn't get this number right or, or something. Well, go ahead if you want to, but it's no use. It's too late. Hello? Hello, operator. Operator? Operator, hello. Gee whiz. Now I can't raise the operator, Bert. You can't. No. Hello? Hello. Hey, hey, maybe the line is dead, Jim. Dead? Yeah. It must be. There's no buzz. But, but it was okay before when I called Beanie. Oh, it's dead now, though. Well, gee whiz, what do you suppose happened? I don't know. Jim, 
Listen. Huh? Why? Can't you hear it? Yeah. I hear it now. Is it... Is uh-huh. it... Uh-huh. It's coming here. It's coming just like the sign said it would. They've been lizards. Oh, we're done for now, Jim. We're done for... Faces paling, Jimmy Olsen and his cousin Bert stand tensely in the little farmhouse listening. What is the sound they hear? And why does it strike such fear into their hearts? <coughs> Superman, warned of danger by some sixth sense, is speaking back to Metropolis. But can even he locate Jimmy in the distant Ozarks before whatever they fear will happen to the two boys? There are thrills and high suspense in tomorrow's exciting episode of our new story, fellows and girls, so be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station for Chapter 2 of The Mystery of the Silver Buffalo on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Listen tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 2 of The Mystery of the Silver Buffalo on the Adventures of Superman. Brought to you by Brock's famous chocolate mint candy bar. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> yeah. Cheese Company will also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night. Present each week at this time Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by John Whedon and Sam Moore. We'll hear from The Great Gildersleeve in just a moment. Now, before Gildy starts on his rollicking new adventures, I'd like to take just a moment to tell you about a grand adventure in eating. Of course, we're all backing the government's ration program, but now and then we'd all like a little more flavor and variety. Well, let's take bread, rolls, and muffins, for example. They're still just as plentiful, still just as downright good eating as ever. And a whole lot better for you, made with vitamin-enriched flour. But, uh, well, shucks, who wants to eat them dry? So here's where we get to that adventure in mighty good eating. For delicious flavor, spread parquet margarine on bread, rolls, and muffins and see how really good they taste. You won't know how delicious until you've actually tried parquet. What's more, parquet margarine is one of the best energy foods you can serve. Every pound contains 9,000 units of important vitamin A. Yes, parquet is wonderfully good to eat and good for you. So ask your grocer tomorrow for parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y. Parquet margarine made by Kraft. What about our old friend Gildersleeve? Well, the last we saw of him back in June, he was left at the altar by the widow Ransom. Two months have passed, but the mark of that fateful moment is still upon him. Gildersleeve today is a changed man. For the past week, he's been vacationing at the Idlewild Hotel on the shore of picturesque Grass Lake, where he's come to seek forgetfulness and such solitude as he can find in the company of his niece and nephew. It's the breakfast hour now, and Gildersleeve steps out on the veranda for a breath of morning air before advancing upon the dining room. 
Ah, uh, sea air. Uh, there's nothing like it. Why, it's Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Why, so it is. Oh, good morning, ladies. Miss Foltz, Miss Sowerby, Mrs. Uh, good morning. Oh, you're up early this morning, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yeah, mistake. Well, you know the old saying, early to bed and early to rise. Makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Mr. Gildersleeve, you're the first healthy man I've seen in weeks. Oh, thank you. Mr. Gildersleeve, I'm just going to be frightfully bold and ask you if you won't share my table with me at breakfast this morning. Why, yes. Now, Miss Foltz, I saw him first. And where do I come in? Mr. Gildersleeve, as good as promised me. Now, ladies, please. Well, I think Mr. Gildersleeve should take us all into breakfast. It's the only way. That's it. We'll all go. Well, I'd be delighted, ladies, but it just so happens... Now, Mr. Gildersleeve, you have nothing to say about it. This is war, you know. <laughs> <laughs> ladies, I can imagine nothing more delightful. Oh, listen to him. Unfortunately, I just remembered that I forgot something. My niece and nephew... It'd hardly do to forget them now, would it? So if you'll excuse me. Oh. I'll be seeing you anon. But you'll be back. Uh, anon, Miss Foltz, anon. Uh, women, women, nothing but women. I came up here to forget women. What do I find? Miss Foltz. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Miss Sowerby. <laughs> uh, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Leroy, get your clothes on. I was just going for a swim. You've just been for a swim. I was going for another. You've gone for your last. Get out of those wet trunks and start dressing. And stop dripping all over the floor. What's up? We going somewhere? We're leaving. Leaving? You heard me. Get dressed. You mean today? Today we're leaving? Today. This morning. Right now. Right after breakfast. I already had breakfast. You don't mind if I have a bite? <laughs> no. Gosh, leaving. I better have breakfast sent in. I'm not going out there with all those harpies. Uh, hand me the telephone. About the swimming race tomorrow. It's too bad about the swimming race. Hand me the telephone. Hello? Gosh, after I trained a whole week for it. Hello? Just when I stand a good chance to knock off the junior medal. Hello? Marge is going to be awful disappointed. She was counting on that dance tomorrow night. Uh, what is this? Tomorrow's the big day, you know. Swimming race, canoe tilting, free food. Hello? Dance in the evening, swimming race. Marge will be disappointed. Room service. Hello, operator. She's going to be awful disappointed, Marge is. Operator, anybody. Hello. Oh, I give up. Call this a hotel. Come in. Well, if it isn't Sleeping Beauty. Oh, shut up. Tough luck about that dance you're not going to Saturday night. What are you talking about? I'm talking about we're leaving. That's what, aren't we, Uncle? Oh, Uncle Moore, it's not now. I'm sorry, my dear, but I can't stand another day of this. I can't go anywhere. I can't even stick my nose out of this room. But what, I'm surrounded by old hens. Miss Foltz, Miss Sowerby, Mrs. Hooses. Well, you can't blame them, Uncle Maud, if you're so attractive. Hmm, well... You are, you know. You're the most attractive man in the hotel. I'm the only man in the hotel. <laughs> and who said this was a hotel? You ring the bell, no bellhop. You pick up the telephone, no operator. Turn on the water, no water. Whatever did we come up here for anyway? To find Marge a fella. Oh, shut up. Well, what are you kicking about? You found one. Listen, Mr. Nosey, if you would just kindly be so good as to kindly mind your own business instead of snooping around. Oh, snooping around. I missed the ball that happened to roll behind the swing. Now, kids. What, what were you doing playing ball? You were supposed to be working on your arithmetic. You haven't done any also. Don't try to change the subject. He had his arm around you. Leroy. He did not have his arm around you. Now, Marjorie. Well, he was holding your hand. He was not holding my hand. And he wasn't who you think it was. Yeah. She admits it. She admits 
Quiet. You heard her, Uncle. She admits it. He had done a bit of work on his arithmetic all summer. Quiet, both of you. God, you've done nothing but wrangle you two from the day we got here. I'm sick of it. We're getting out of here on the first train. Oh, oh Uncle Moore, please. No, it's settled. The first train. Now, see what you did. Oh, dear, I never did you anything. You did it. Quiet. Ye gods. <laughs> Leroy, get some clothes on. Marjorie, you start packing. Where are you going, Uncle? Never mind. You must know I'm going down to the lake, where I hope to have a few quiet moments to myself and, if possible, recover some of my sanity. It's like having bloodhounds after you. I'll sit here and cool off a little and look at the water. I must go down to the sea again, to the lonely sea and the sky. Grass Lake. <laughs> Oh, well. Oh. Well, what with who? Huh? Oh, excuse me. I I didn't realize there was anyone here. Neither did I. I'm awfully sorry. I thought this seemed such a lovely, quiet spot to sit and look at the lake. Yes, and you can... Uh, why don't you take this bench? Oh, I couldn't. You were here first. Well, I'll sit on this log. Oh, but your beautiful white flannels. Huh? Oh, I've had them a long time. Well, I'm sure there's room for both of us on the bench. Oh? Uh (laughs) There, you see? Now I haven't disturbed you at all. No. There's a lovely light on the lake at this time of the morning, isn't there? Yes, there is. Would you say it was eerie? What, Lake Erie? Oh, no. No, the light. It's a strange, eerie light. Oh, yes. Very eerie. (laughs) It's so seldom one meets a person nowadays who really loves nature. But you do, don't you? I guess so. (laughs) Uh, you staying here at the hotel? Yes, I just arrived this morning. Are you? Oh, yes. (laughs) But I'm going home this afternoon. Oh, Just as we're starting to get acquainted. Yeah. And ever since then, I've been water commissioner of Summerfield. That's the story of my career. I guess it's not much of a story. Oh, it's a fascinating story. You've had to fight, haven't you? I knew it the moment I saw you. Well, I've had my struggles, but what man hasn't? Of course. You know, I really think it's a shame you're leaving today. Well, it's not absolutely definite. Oh, good. Um, would you mind if I asked you something terribly personal? Uh, uh, No, go ahead. What is it? Well, I don't like to intrude into your... I don't know how to say it even. But I had the feeling while you were telling me about yourself that you were leaving something out. Something that had made you terribly sad. Oh, no. You're mistaken. Am I? Well, tell me honestly. Have you had an unhappy love affair? No. I knew it. Some woman has hurt you. I'm sure because you're so kind and gentle. You must have been wounded deeply once yourself. Well, I... Oh, how you must hate us women. All of us. Well... Naturally, I try to be fair, but... 
I'm afraid I'll never again be able to think of a woman as a friend. Well, you must try. Perhaps if you could tell someone about it, someone sympathetic, it might help. It, it often does help, you know. It's very painful. Well, if it would hurt you too much... Oh, no, no, no. Then try. Well, uh, when I first met Leela Ransom... <laughs> oh. When I first met her, the thing that struck me about her was her helplessness. Just a young girl, I suppose. Well, she was more of a widow. <laughs> At least I understood she was a widow. And she seemed to need someone. Someone to shield her from the world. Well, that's what she led me to believe. She tricked you. I'm sure of it now. <laughs> However, I lost my heart to Leela Ransom. I loved her deeply, sincerely. I asked her to marry me, and she consented. But the marriage? We were never married. Oh. I... I stood beside her at the altar, the happiest man in the world, asking only that I be allowed to devote the rest of my life to her. Suddenly, her husband walked in. <laughs> he was no deader than me. Oh, how dreadful. Yes. You can see why I'm through with women, can't you? Oh, I don't blame you for feeling the way you do, honestly. But I do feel there's hope because, well, I was hurt once, too, terribly. Oh, you, you were? Yes. I once thought I could never bear to speak to a man again. Well, that's quite a coincidence. Did he uh, leave you at the altar? Well, it wasn't quite like that. I'll tell you about it sometime. Oh, tell me now. Oh, no, I'd rather not, but you're very kind to be so interested. You've done a great deal for me. Oh, no, you've done a great deal for me. Uh, would you uh, like to walk down this path to the lake for a little way? Oh, I'd love to. It, it looks so nice and shady. Yes, it is shady. <laughs> You're sure that you uh, won't be nervous walking in the woods with a stranger? Do you think I should be? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> oh, it's quite steep. Steep, yes. Oh! Uh, oh, what's the matter? Oh, my ankle. I'm afraid I've turned it rather badly. Oh, here, lean on me. Oh, thank you. Uh... Oh, you seem so... so solid. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you think so? Oh, so safe. I I'm sure you won't let me go. Don't worry. <laughs> oh. Well, for Pete's sakes, Mom, I've been looking all over for you. Frederick. You better come down to the lake. Jack and Tom are throwing rocks at each other. Well, make them stop. I can't. And one of them hit Mary and her nose is bleeding. Oh, and Nancy lost her bathing suit in the water. Oh, my goodness. Madam, I can see you are not left at the altar. Excuse me, I gotta go and catch a train. Hello, oh, operator? No, I do not wish a beverage. I want my bill. I want to check out. Room 618 and 619. Yes, we'll see that he hurries. Tougher to get out of this hotel than to get into a good one. <laughs> well, I guess I've got everything in the bag. If I can only close it. Oh, Unky, before you close it, could you just tuck in one little thing for me? I suppose so. What is it? Just that little Cupid doll I won in the hotel raffle. But Marjorie, that Cupid doll's almost as big as Leroy. <laughs> I haven't got room for that. But your suitcase is bigger than mine. It's not that big. If you want the Cupid, carry it in your arms. 
You'd be lucky if they don't make you buy him a ticket. Oh. Gosh, I wish I hadn't won it now. Well, leave it. Let somebody else win it. Uh, where's that man with a bill? Operator, this is 618. If that man isn't here with my bill in one minute, I'm going to sneak out and leave my baggie. That's telling a monk. Yeah. Let's close this thing, Leroy. I'm afraid those hinges are going to... There. Thank goodness. Say, I just remembered something. What? Something you forgot. Wait a second, I'll get it. Yeah, here it is, Uncle. What is it? Here, catch. Leroy. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry, Uncle. I thought you were looking. Well, I wasn't. Anyway, never throw a wet bathing suit at anybody. (laughs) Where am I going to put this darn thing? Come in. Mr. Gildersleeve? Oh, yes. You the bill clerk? Oh, no, sir. I'm the assistant manager. Oh, excuse me. That's all right. The clerk told me you'd ask for a statement, but we can't let you check out, Mr. Gildersleeve. We're counting on you to be master of ceremonies at the ladies' archery contest this afternoon. (sighs) Give me my bill. But, Mr. Gildersleeve, the ladies will be so disappointed. I can't help it. Why don't the ladies leave me alone? Well, there's a war on, you know. (laughs) That has nothing to do with it. Get my bill ready and send somebody up here for my bags. All right, if you insist. Uh, Now, what was I doing? Thinking about your wet bathing suit. That could be dry by tomorrow, Unc, and I wouldn't miss the swimming race. Never mind. Uh, better wrap it up in a couple of dirty shirts. Makes an awful, awful lump, though. Come in. Well, hello, everybody. Hooker. Hello, Judge. Judge. What are you doing here, you old goat? Well, if that isn't foolish question number 999. I came to spend the weekend with you. I'm sorry, but you're too late, Judge. I can't stand another day in this place. Oh, now, Gildy, I've come all the way up here to see you. How about 18 holes of golf right now? Uh, golf. That's what I came up here for. And this afternoon, we could go fishing on the lake. Maybe get a couple of smallmouth bass for supper. Oh, smallmouth bass fried in breadcrumbs with a little lemon juice. Yeah. <laughs> We've had chicken here every night this week. Oh, come on, Gildy. Tomorrow we can hire some horses and go for a ride along the mountain trail. Bye, George Horace. I'll stay over with you. Oh, Uncle Mort, you darling. Judge, you're a hero. Well, everybody happy. Operator, this is 618. No, I've already checked out. I want to come back. Yes, till Sunday morning. I don't care who wants the room. I've got it, and I'm going to keep it. All right, go on, Leroy. Go on, Marjorie, with your swimming race. Line up your date for the dance. Hey, see you later, Hunk. i got to get back in training. i got to solve a manpower problem. Uh, oh, uh. doggone it, Horace. I'm glad you came. I've been trying to find a golf game, somebody to fish with ever since I got here. You have, Gildy? Well, you must be slipping. There's plenty of golfers right here under your nose. Well, I couldn't find them. Well, I signed up a couple for a foursome with us this morning, and they're going fishing with us this afternoon. Oh, that's great. Not only that, but tomorrow night they're going to the dance with us. Wait a minute, Hooker. Who are these golfers? Two Lollapaloozas, a Miss Foles and Miss Sowerby. Oh! <laughs> Gildersleeve will be with us again in a few seconds. School days are just around the corner, and that's going to call for some new strategy from you generals of the kitchen. I mean, you mothers will have to think up tempting new ways to put nourishing foods into those school lunch boxes. So allow me to pass along a helpful suggestion. Here's how to get really important food value out of those precious few ration points. It's to buy and serve parquet margarine. But do you know that parquet requires only four red ration points a pound? And every pound of parquet contains 9,000 units of important vitamin A. In your government's official nutrition program, the daily use of such excellent foods as vitamin-fortified margarine is recommended. As for appetizing flavor, well, parquet really satisfies. 
You'll find parquet just about tops as a delicious spread for bread. And you may be interested to know that parquet carries the seal of acceptance of the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association. So ask for parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y. Parquet margarine made by Kraft. getting back to the great Gildersleeve and his little family, we find them surfeited with vacation joys, glaring at each other and a Judge Hooker from opposite seats in the day coach. Well, according to my calculations, we ought to reach Summerfield about six o'clock. According to my calculations, we'll be lucky if you reach it at all on this milk train. Leroy, for goodness sake. Leroy, take your feet off your sister's lap. Well, I have to put them somewhere, don't I? Fine accommodations you got us, Horace. A day coach. I thought you were supposed to have some influence around here. I have. The assistant passenger agent is a personal friend of mine. You don't say. Yes, sir. Used to go to school together. I see him every now and then. Fred Kennicott is his name. Fred Kennicott. Oh. How is Fred Kennicott these days? Oh, he's fine. That's fine. I wonder if you'd give Fred Kennicott a message for me the next time you see him. Glad you, Gilly. Glad you. What's the message? Tell him his railroad is a public disgrace. <laughs> Oh, very well to complain, Gildy, but let me remind you there's a war on. If anybody else reminds me there's a war on, I'll... Where do you think you're going, Leroy? To get a drink. Ouch! Get off the judge's bunions. I'm sorry, Judge. Now sit down. Oh, gosh, can't I even get a drink of water, even? You've had a drink. You've had 50 drinks. You've done nothing but run from here to the water cooler ever since we get on this train. But, Uncle, I'm dying. You heard your uncle. Sit down. You keep out of this, Judge. I'll handle it. If he were a boy of mine, by golly, I know what I'd do with him. If I need any advice from you on the handling of children, Judge, I'll ask for it. Feel free to do so at any time. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, hum. What a jolly little journey. Oh, Marjorie's right. We shouldn't be allowing ourselves to get on each other's nerves here. After all, this will all be over in an hour or two. Or three. By six o'clock, we'll all be home. Bertie will be there waiting for you with a fine big dinner. Bertie. Yeah, now you're talking, Judge. Good old Bertie. By George, after all the stale chicken I've had to eat in the past week, I could plow into one of Bertie's dinners and really do it justice. <sighs> so could I. I tell you, Judge, there's not a finer cook in the wor- world than our Bertie. Huh? I won't argue with you there, Throckmorton. I still remember the last dinner I had at your house. Though it was some time ago. Yeah. It's truly an experience. Truly an experience. Though, as I say, it was some time ago. Yeah. Horace, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to be my guest tonight at dinner. Well, now, let me see. Have I any other engagements? Sunday night? You haven't any engagements, you old goat, and you know it. <laughs> Doc Martin, after consulting my calendar, I'm delighted to find myself in a position to accept your very welcome invitation. Is he kidding? Yes. <laughs> well, kids, we're going home. Bye, George. I don't know why we ever left it. Going home, going home. Be ever so humble, there's no place like home. Oh, brother. Be ever oh, so humble, there's no place like home. kids. Uh, Bertie! Oh, Bertie! Is that you, Mr. Gilfley? Hello, Bertie. 
Oh, and Leroy and Marjorie and Judge Hooker. Well, my goodness, I sure am glad to see you. No gladder than we are to see you, Bertie. That's right, Bertie. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, sir. I'm mighty glad to see you, Mr. Gilsleeve. Well, our train was a little late. I hope we haven't spoiled the supper. Spoiled it? Yes. Supper? Yes. Mr. Gilsleeve, there ain't no supper to spoil. Oh, Bertie. <laughs> I didn't expect you till tomorrow. But I don't understand, Bertie. You just said you were glad to see us. I am, Mr. Gilsleeve. You arrived in just the nick of time. I was just going to the weekly meeting of my victory lodge, and I'm retroactive in my dues. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, here's a little advance on your salary, Bertie. Thank you, sir. I'm sorry about supper, but there ain't a bite of food in this house. Well, now, if you all would excuse me, well, I... Wait just... a minute, Bertie. Don't I smell chocolate cake? Yes, by golly. So do I. Is there chocolate cake in the house, Bertie? <laughs> well, yes, there is. I baked it for the run Hitler out of town rally tonight at the lodge. The party that buys the war bonds with a certain number on it, he gets the cake as a bonus. Oh, oh, it's a raffle. Oh, no, sir. Buying a raffle ticket is illegal. But nobody's going to throw you in jail for buying a war bond. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. How about that, Judge? Well, without passing on the constitutional questions involved, I'd like to buy a chance on the cake. <laughs> well, y'all can have the cake for your supper if you want it. No, Bertie, you take the cake and chase Hitler out of town with it. <laughs> You'll get along some way. Gee, I'm hungry. Isn't there anything in the icebox, Bertie? Not a thing, Leroy. I'm sorry. Well, never mind, Bertie. Good night. Good night, Mr. Gilsey. Good night, everybody. Good night, night. Have a good time. Well, I guess I'll call up Piggy Banks and get invited to his house. You'll do nothing of the kind, young man. Haven't you any pride? Sure I have. I don't have to beg, Piggy. Well, I don't like it. And no hinting now. Are you kidding? He's my pal. Hello, pig face. (coughs) Oh, Pardon me, Mrs. Banks. Uh, is Piggy there? That was his mother. Oh, no. Hiya, Pig. Yeah, I just got back. Can I come over for supper? Yep, Leroy. Ask if I can come too, Leroy. Marjorie. I'm bringing Marge so your sister will leave us alone, Pig. Be right over. Bye. Well, I'm ashamed of both of you. Oh, you're not really, Uncle Marge. <laughs> Goodbye, Judge. Goodbye, Marjorie. Goodbye, Leroy. So long. Now, don't you be up late. The very idea. Oh, I don't think it's so bad, Gildy. You don't? Well, then how about inviting me to dinner? All right. May I have the pleasure of your company at dinner, Throckmorton? I shall be delighted, Horace. Of course, there's no food at my house either. Oh. And the grill at the Summerfield Hotel is closed on Sundays. Where are you taking me, Judge? To Peavy's Drugstore for a chicken sandwich. <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> Soda's satisfactory, gentlemen? Oh, I guess they keep the breath of life in us for a while. I'm using a new strawberry flavoring now, synthetic. Yeah. What do they make it out of, plastics? <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve always has to have his little joke. Uh, nice to see you back, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, how was the vacation? So-so, Peavy, so-so. I suppose it does a man good to get away once in a while. Yes, I've always heard it does. Though I haven't taken a vacation myself in 30 years. Neither has Mrs. Peavy. Yes. 30 years with one woman? That's a long time. Well, no, I wouldn't. Yes, I will, too. (laughs) It's a long time. The last time I took a vacation by myself was back in the summer of 1913. Oh, that the summer you got engaged? Oh, no. We were engaged for five years before that. (laughs) 
course, five years is a long time, too. But then I, I believe in long engagements. So does Mrs. Beebe. Yeah, long engagements, short engagements. As soon as a man lets a woman get a hold on him, his life is over. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Speak for yourself, Gildy. That's just who I'm speaking for. Gentlemen, from now on, I'm a free agent. Marriage may be all right for some people, but not for yours truly. Because, frankly, I'm just not interested. Our friend here sounds a little bitter. There wouldn't be a touch of sour grapes in that now, would there, Gildy? None at all. You're referring to Leela Ransom? Forget her, because I have. Uh, speaking of Mrs. Ransom... I haven't I... given her a thought from that day to this. Uh, speaking of Mrs. Ransom... If she were to walk right in here now, it would mean nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. I uh, hear she may be coming back to Summerfield. No, sir. If I... Where'd you hear that? You uh, read the paper, didn't you? I haven't seen a paper in a week. Well, then you didn't hear about her husband. Beauregard? What about him? As if I cared. Sad. Very sad. But I suppose we all have to go sooner or later. What do you mean? We're here today and gone tomorrow. Yeah. Peavy, what are you talking about? It's something we all have to face. We can only hope that when the time comes, we'll be ready. Peavy, will you stop mumbling and tell me what happened? Yeah, for the love of Mike, Peavy. It was in the paper yesterday. Beauregard Ransom passed on as a result of an accident one week ago today. Oh, that poor little girl. Now she's going to need an understanding friend. <laughs> Dear Diary, got back from my vacation today. Total expenses, $110.18. I'll have to watch it a little during September. Was interested to hear from PB today that L.R. may be returning to Summerfield. Well, I should happen to run into her on the street. I know exactly how I'll behave. I'll be polite, naturally, but nothing more. She thinks she can take up with me just where we left off two months ago. She's sadly mistaken. I'll show her that I'm not to be tossed aside lightly like an old glove. Yeah. It'll be, how do you do, Mrs. Ransom, instead of, hello, Leela. Leela. Oh, diary, am I going to make a jackass of myself all over again? <laughs> Good night. heard on this program was under the direction of Claude Sweet. This is Ken Carpenter speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to listen again next Sunday for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Homemakers, I want to tell you about something that's a point saver, a time saver, and a money saver all in one. It's Kraft Dinner, the product that gives you swell macaroni and cheese in just seven minutes cooking time. A package of Kraft Dinner serves four people at a cost of only a few cents a serving. And you get three packages. That's three separate family main dishes for only one single red ration point. Does all this sound too good to be true? Well, try Kraft Dinner. See how the special Kraft Dinner macaroni cooks fluffy tender just in boiling water. See how the Kraft grated lets you whisk cheese flavor through and through the macaroni in a jiffy. Then, listen to the folks compliment you on that speedy, delicious macaroni and cheese. If you like, you can mold your hot craft dinner into a ring or timbles and serve with cream vegetables, fish, chicken, or what have you. Try it soon. Spend one single red ration point for three packages of craft dinner. This program has reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs>